Chapter thirty one of the Grey Fairy Book. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Elliot Miller. The Grey Fairy Book. Edited by Andrew Lang. Canatella. There was once upon a time a king who reigned over a country called Buelo Puojo. He was very rich and powerful and had everything in the world he could desire except a child. But at last, after he had been married for many years and was quite an old man, his wife, Renzola, presented him with a fine daughter, whom they called Canatella. She grew up into a beautiful girl, and was as tall and straight as a young fir tree. When she was eighteen years old, her father called her to him and said, "'You are of an age now, my daughter,' to marry and settle down, but, as I love you more than anything else in the world, and desire nothing but your happiness, I am determined to leave the choice of a husband to yourself. Choose a man after your own heart, and you are sure to satisfy me." Canatella thanked her father very much for his kindness and consideration, but told him that she had not the slightest wish to marry, and was quite determined to remain single. The king who felt himself growing old and feeble, and longed to see an heir to the throne before he died, was very unhappy at her words, and begged her earnestly not to disappoint him. When Canatella saw that the king had set his heart on her marriage, she said, "'Very well, dear father, I will marry to please you, for I do not wish to appear ungrateful for all your love and kindness. But you must find me a husband handsomer, cleverer, and more charming than anyone else in the world. The king was overjoyed by her words, and from early in the morning till late at night he sat at the window and looked carefully at all the passers-by, in the hopes of finding a son-in-law among them. One day, seeing a very good-looking man crossing the street, the king called his daughter and said, "'Come quickly, dear Canatella, and look at this man, for I think he might suit you as a husband.' They called the young man into the palace, and set a sumptuous feast before him, with every sort of delicacy you can imagine. In the middle of the meal the youth let an almond fall out of his mouth, which, however, he picked up again very quickly, and hid under the tablecloth. When the feast was over the stranger went away, and the king asked Canatella, "'Well, what did you think of the youth?' "'I think he was a clumsy wretch,' replied Canatella. Fancy a man of his age letting an almond fall out of his mouth. When the king heard her answer, he returned to his watch at the window, and shortly afterwards a very handsome young man passed by. The king instantly called his daughter to come and see what she thought of the newcomer. "'Call him in,' said Canatella, "'that we may see him close.' Another splendid feast was prepared, and when the stranger had eaten and drunk as much as he was able, and had taken his departure, the king asked Canatella how she liked him. "'Not at all,' replied his daughter. "'What could you do with the man who requires at least two servants to help him on with his cloak, because he is too awkward to put it on properly himself?' "'If that's all you have against him,' said the king, "'I see how the land lies. You are determined not to have a husband at all. But marry someone you shall, for I do not mean my name and house to die out.' "'Well, then, my dear parent,' said Canatella, I must tell you at once that you had better not count upon me, for I never mean to marry unless I can find a man with a gold head and gold teeth. 
The king was very angry at finding his daughter so obstinate, but, as he always gave the girl her own way in everything, he issued a proclamation to the effect that any man with a gold head and gold teeth might come forward and claim the princess as his bride, and the kingdom of Belopuojo as a wedding gift. Now the king had a deadly enemy called Cervante, who was a very powerful magician. No sooner had this man heard of the proclamation than he summoned his attendant spirits and commanded them to gild his head and teeth. The spirits said at first that the task was beyond their powers, and suggested that a pair of golden horns attached to his forehead would both be easier to make and more comfortable to wear. But Cervante would allow no compromise, and insisted on having a head and teeth made of the finest gold. When it was fixed on his shoulders he went for a stroll in front of the palace, and the king, seeing the very man he was in search of, called his daughter and said, "'Just look out of the window, and you will find exactly what you want.' Then, as Cervante was hurrying past, the king shouted out to him, "'Just stop a minute, brother, and don't be in such a desperate haste. If you will step in here you shall have my daughter for a wife, and I will send attendants with her, and as many horses and servants as you wish.' A thousand thanks, returned Cervante. I shall be delighted to marry your daughter. But it is quite unnecessary to send anyone to accompany her. Give me a horse, and I will carry off the princess in front of my saddle, and I will bring her to my own kingdom, where there is no lack of courtiers or servants, or indeed of anything your daughter can desire. At first the king was very much against Cantonella departing in this fashion, but finally Cervante got his way, and placing the princess before him on his horse, he set out for his own country. Towards evening he dismounted, and entering a stable he placed Canatella in the same stall as his horse, and said to her, Now listen to what I have to say. I am going to my home now, and that is a seven years' journey from here. You must wait for me in this stable, and never move from this spot or let yourself be seen by a living soul. If you disobey my commands, it will be the worse for you. The princess answered meekly, Sir, I am your servant, and will do exactly as you bid me, but I should like to know what I am to live on till you come back. You can take what the horses leave, was Cervantes' reply. When the magician had left her, Canatella felt very miserable, and bitterly cursed the day she was born. She spent all her time weeping and bemoaning the cruel fate that had driven her from a palace into a stable, from soft down cushions to a bed of straw, and from the dainties of her father's table to the food that the horses left. She led this wretched life for a few months, and during that time she never saw who fed and watered the horses, for it was all done by invisible hands. One day, when she was more than usually unhappy, she perceived a little crack in the wall, through which she could see a beautiful garden, with all manner of delicious fruits and flowers growing in it. The sight and smell of such delicacies were too much for poor Canatella, and she said to herself, I will slip quietly out, and pick a few oranges and grapes, and I don't care what happens. Who is there to tell my husband what I do? And even if he should hear of my disobedience, he cannot make my life more miserable than it is already. So she slipped out and refreshed her poor starved body with the fruit she plucked in the garden. 
but a short time afterwards her husband returned unexpectedly, and one of the horses instantly told him that Canatella had gone into the garden, in his absence, and had stolen some oranges and grapes. Cervante was furious when he heard this, and seizing a huge knife from his pocket, he threatened to kill his wife for her disobedience. But Canatella threw herself at his feet and implored him to spare her life, saying that hunger drove even the wolf from the wood. At last she succeeded in so far softening her husband's heart that he said, I will forgive you this time and spare your life. But if you disobey me again, and I hear on my return that you have as much as moved out of the stall, I will certainly kill you. So beware, for I am going away once more, and shall be absent for seven years. With these words he took his departure, and Canatella burst into a flood of tears, and, wringing her hand, she moaned, Why was I ever born to such a hard fate? Oh, father, how miserable you have made your poor daughter! But why should I blame my father? For I have only myself to thank for all my suffering. I got the cursed head of gold, and it has brought all this misery on me. I am indeed punished for not doing as my father wished. When a year had gone by, it chanced one day that the king's cooper passed the stables where Canatella was kept prisoner. She recognized the man and called him to come in. At first he did not know the poor princess, and could not make out who it was that called him by name. But when he heard Canatella's tale of woe, he hid her in a big empty barrel she had with him partly because he was sorry for the poor girl, and, even more, because he wished to gain the king's favor. Then he slung the barrel on a mule's back, and in this way the princess was carried to her own home. They arrived at the palace about four o'clock in the morning, and the cooper knocked loudly at the door. When the servants came in haste and saw only the cooper standing at the gate, they were very indignant, and scolded him soundly for coming at such an hour, and waking them all out of their sleep. The king, hearing the noise and the cause of it, sent for the cooper, for he felt certain that the man must have some important business to have come and disturbed the whole palace at such an early hour. The cooper asked permission to unload his mule, and Canatella crept out of the barrel. At first the king refused to believe that it was really his daughter, for she had changed so terribly in a few years, and had grown so thin and pale that it was pitiful to see her. At last the princess showed her father a mole that she had on her right arm, and then he saw that the poor girl was indeed his long-lost Canatella. He kissed her a thousand times, and instantly had the choicest food and drink set before her. After she had satisfied her hunger, the king said to her, "'Who would have thought, my dear daughter, to have found you in such a state? What, may I ask, has brought you to this pass?' Canatella replied, that wicked man with the gold head and teeth treated me worse than a dog, and many a time since I left you have I longed to die. But I couldn't tell you all that I have suffered, for you would never believe me. It is enough that I am once more with you, and I shall never leave you again, for I would rather be a slave in your house than a queen in any other. In the meantime, Cervante had returned to the stables and one of the horses told him that Canatella had been taken away by a cooper in a barrel. When the wicked magician heard this, he was beside himself with rage, and hastening to the kingdom of Bellopujo, he went straight to an old woman who lived exactly opposite the royal palace, and said to her, 
If you will let me see the king's daughter, I will give you whatever reward you like to ask for. The woman demanded a hundred ducats of gold, and Siravante counted them out of his purse and gave them to her without a murmur. Then the old woman led him to the roof of the house, where he could see Canatella combing out her long hair in a room in the top story of the palace. The princess happened to look out of the window, and when she saw her husband gazing at her, she got such a fright that she flew downstairs to the king and said, "'My lord and father, unless you shut me up instantly in a room with seven iron doors, I am lost.' "'If that's all,' said the king, "'it shall be done at once.' And he gave orders for the doors to be closed on the spot. When Siravante saw this, he returned to the old woman and said, "'I will give you whatever you like, if you will go into the palace, hide under the princess's bed, and slip this little piece of paper beneath her pillow, saying as you do so, May everyone in the palace, except the princess, fall into a sound sleep. The old woman demanded another hundred golden ducats, and then proceeded to carry out the magician's wishes. No sooner had she slipped the piece of paper under Canatella's pillow than all the people in the palace fell fast asleep, and only the princess remained awake. Then Siravante hurried to the seven doors and opened them, one after the other. Canatella screamed with terror when she saw her husband, but no one came to her help, for all in the palace lay as if they were dead. The magician seized her in the bed on which she lay, and was going to carry her off with him, when the little piece of paper which the old woman had placed under her pillow fell on the floor. In an instant all the people in the palace woke up, and as Canatella was still screaming for help, they rushed to her rescue. They seized Siravante and put him to death so he was caught in the trap which he had laid for the princess. And, as is so often the case in this world, the biter himself was bit. From the Italian Kletke End of Canatella Recording by Elliot Miller www.voiceofe.com